everybody, and welcome back to another episode of I'll Be Back. Uh, this week, we are joined by a very special guest, a current student at Temple, but on a, also an NFL draft analyst, um, Dante. And I don't want to mispronounce your last name because I have a friend who has almost the exact same name. Uh, so it's Colinelli. Yeah, you killed it. Good job. All right. <laughs> well, I have a good friend. His last name's Colinelli, like with an A more at the end. But Okay. Uh, um, so Dante, thank you so much for joining us. Um, uh, appreciate you doing this, especially the busy week that you have ahead of you. Um, so uh, you're actually recording this. You just told me from the SAC, the student center at Temple. So how's uh, how's life at Temple at the moment? <laughs> it's it's pretty good. You know, we're coming up on finals week. Um, the sports editor at the Temple News. We're doing our last print production of the year. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's going pretty good. It's it's been a weird year here, being on campus with people not going to class and not going to class myself and all that stuff. But um, it's slowly starting to come back to normal. Like, you know, you're starting to see people around. Uh, we're going to have in-person classes next year, but it is very weird. I'm sitting up here at the second floor of the SAC and it, it is relatively a ghost town. And, you know, typically it is a, a, um, a buzzing area of campus, but that's, that's the times that we live in. <laughs> you are fortunate enough that the SAC now has a Chick-fil-A that was not there when I was attending Temple. So congrats on that. Really? I don't know where I would eat without that. Jeez. <laughs> um, do you live on campus right now? Like, where do you live at? So I technically, I live off campus, but it's at the edge, uh, the yeah. edge student village, which is like basically on campus. Um, mm -hmm. It's, you know, literally the last building um, that's considered or the first building that's considered off campus. So yeah. I've lived there for about two years now. Um, that That's the one next to Cardin? Um, no, that's the one up by, um, it's off of, it's like 1600. Oh, it's over that way. You're right. Yeah. Now I know where you're yeah, at. Yeah. Yep. Um, nice. Uh, so uh, first, just to start off, like what, what, how did you end up at Temple? Just, I always try to like get people's stories of how, like, where, where did you think you were going and Temple, why they kind of jumped out at you? Yeah. Um, well, I mean, I grew up in Bucks County, so I'm, I'm local. It's about 40 minutes away about from Philly and about, you know, 35 from Temple. And, um, I mean, honestly, it was just a school that always made sense for me. The, the media and communications program is very good here. I ended up in journalism, even though I originally applied as a communications major. Um, but, you know, it just always made sense. It was a good program. It was local. Um, it was affordable. And uh, I remember when I toured, I toured as a, I believe, a sophomore in high school or maybe a junior in high school. And, and I just liked the campus. I liked the city. I always loved coming into Philadelphia. Um, and, you know, it just made, it made perfect sense for me. And, you know, I was not a um, exactly an, an exemplatory student in high school either. So it's not like I had the grades to, to really uh, expand and go to some of the other Philadelphia schools, not to say that Temple isn't a great school because it is, and I love it here. Um, but, you know, they are a little bit nicer when it comes to letting in people with uh, slightly lower GPAs. So it just, it just really worked out. It was, it was a perfect storm of what I wanted to do and uh, cost and where it was, it just, you know, it was perfect. And uh, I don't regret it at all. I, I love going to school here. It's, uh, it's been a great experience so far. I, I have actually joked. I don't know if I would get into Temple now because I was also not the best high school student, but I know because they've become more popular over the years, I, I don't know if I get into Temple now, but uh, <laughs> it is a good school overall. Um, so uh, for those who don't know, Dante, like he said, uh, he is currently the editor at Temple Newspaper, but he also is a very uh, big NFL guy, big NFL draft guy. Um, if you follow him on Twitter, he's always tweeting about it, um, and he is apparently a Dolphins fan. So uh, by the end of this, I will figure that out. 
Uh, but to start, uh, I guess we'll, we'll start with what were your thoughts on the, the last football season that Temple just had? I know with COVID, it was obviously tough. Um, I know Rod Carey going into like kind of the, I think this up year, upcoming year might be a make or break season for him. Uh, but after the last season that they just had, what are your thoughts on all of that? Man, it was tough, you know, and, and it was it was very odd for me to cover uh, as well because it was my third year on the beat, so I, I had a good parameter for for the team and, and where everybody was at. And then you just kind of like, I mean, they had a very, very weird extended uh, spring practice. Uh, the city of Philadelphia just like would not let them hold, you know, team scrimmages. So like they, they really did not have a good opportunity to play against each other. Uh, their week one game against Navy. I mean, I can't imagine trying to prepare for the triple option under those uh, guidelines. Like you couldn't hit anybody. You couldn't like do anything. And then you had to go out and play a team like Navy who's going to punch you in the mouth 40 times a game with, you know, with a fullback. And it just like it got off to a very weird start. You know, they had a chance to win that game and then they didn't. And, um, you know, they were able to bounce back in week two against South Florida. But, you know, even before all the COVID stuff hit and that, you know, you could tell that this team just wasn't right. It just was not the same group of guys. And I don't know if it was, you know, the, the practice schedule, you know, during spring practices that they didn't get that. And then their very, very weird fall camp that was extended and not really a fall camp, even though they had, you know, two months really. Um, it just never seemed right. You know, the offense was, you know, they scored points, but it was very sloppy. There was a lot of turnovers, a lot of missed opportunities. Um, they just were unable to run the ball, whether, you know, even before Raymond Davis transferred, I mean, they were having difficulty running the ball. Um, so it was weird from the start. And then, you know, once Anthony Russo got hurt, I, I mean, that was the end of the season, in my opinion. And that's not a knock on guys like Trad Beatty and Real Mitchell. They did the best they could, but they did not have the time in the offseason to properly prepare, um, especially somebody like Real Mitchell, who came in as a transfer. He did not get spring ball. He really, I mean, probably didn't get a ton of fall ball either because they were trying to rep Anthony Russo as the starter at that point. And um, yeah, so once he got hurt, I mean, the season was over. They were rotating those guys and they couldn't move the football. The defense had some flashes, uh, you know, you got, you know, guys like Arnold Ebiketti and, and some of those other guys flashed and then they all decided to transfer this offseason. So it, it was a mess. And, and I remember sitting in the press box during the ECU game and like, the, you know, they were supposed to start at 12 and nobody's on the field at 12.05 and I'm just sitting there like, oh my God. And then they make it, you know being there, it was a very surreal moment for me when they're in the press box and they're like, we have rushed a student athlete to campus for a COVID-19 test. And I'm just sitting there as a reporter, like what is happening? You know, like this is just <laughs> a very, a very odd situation. So look, it was a tough season. And, you know, I had people ask me on Twitter, you know, oh, they should fire Rod Carey. And it's like, look, man, the dude had no players like the past, like the last four games of the season. I mean, he was starting guys at different positions. We had safety playing corner, safety's playing linebacker, linebackers playing. And like, it was just, it was a mess. I, I, I think honestly, I mean, I don't know if the team would have been as good. They probably would have regressed no matter what. Uh, but I, I, I think honestly, I would throw most of the season out if I was a Temple fan, because like, <laughs> They just didn't have any players. They were starting the six-string quarterback the last game of the year. He was a walk-on, you know, redshirt freshman. Dude wasn't even recruited here, and he's out here starting against ECU at home. So um, I would just throw most of it out, but it was it was tough to watch. It really was at times because, you know, you know that they're better than that, and, and it would, there were so many things outside of their control where they struggled. And, you know, but the one nice thing is that we've seen so far in, um, you know, in spring practice interviews this year is that, you know, all the coaches are kind of, you know, they're not using that as an excuse. It's okay for us as the media to use that as an excuse but for them you never want to see that and they're not so I, I don't think they're going to be one in six again I, I think they'll be much better than that but last year was 
just incredibly, incredibly weird. I would throw it out, most of it at least, if I was a Temple fan. Yeah, and I definitely agree with everything that you just said. And I still remember the ECU game. It was supposed to be a 12 o'clock start. And I, I'm sure I've told the story more than once on my podcast. Um, you know, it was like 1230. My mom's like, what's the score? I'm like, well, it actually hasn't started yet. And she's like, when's it starting? I'm like, I don't know. Like they, because it was on ESPN Plus and you were just kind of uh, like, they, they didn't know. The announcers really didn't know. And it was like, all right, I think we're going to kick off in about 20 minutes now. And they kind of danced around that. And then following it along on Twitter, was just bizarre it was just nobody knew and then it was like I think the original rumor was a player's girlfriend had COVID and then I think it, it was just bizarre but yeah to, to pretty much sum up everything you just said um it, it was a I don't want to fire Rod Carey I, I do not I, I get it he kind of gets I don't want to say a pass but yeah last year was really tough to judge him as a coach and I I think you you hit it on the nail with um they were probably going to regress regardless like I was looking at a 500 season maybe last year if the team's healthy Maybe, you know, if it was a full year, seven and five, kind of, I, I definitely didn't think they were going to jump the, you know, but this upcoming season, um, which I did want to ask you, uh, which it sounds like you've been able to get some uh, interviews and you've attended some of those type of stuff. So I know right now they're not uh, allowing any availability to the actual spring practices, um, but based off of what that you have heard from the coaches and the players, uh, it does sound like the, the, upcoming season everybody's very positive about what can you say about that so far yeah it's uh everyone's got a really really nice chipper attitude in these interviews um it's much different than some of the stuff that we got last year these guys have had an opportunity to have spring practice they're very very happy about that a lot of the guys are coming back off of opt-outs um you know guys who didn't play at all last year you know they're very very thankful to be back um and you know i think there's a nice bond with the team which is interesting because they lost so much to the transfer portal but they also brought in a ton as well um but it seems like the guys who have stayed are you know they're really creating a, a different culture there like there's very much a lot of camaraderie a lot of the guys have talked about how like look we're the people who want to be here like we chose to be here and they're and they're trying to ride that wave you know football players are always trying to create motivation for themselves they're always trying to create those storylines to get themselves you know out of bed and, and focused in the morning and this team seems to be rallying around that idea early there's a lot of excitement about you know Dwan Mathis coming over from Georgia and you know everyone that we've spoken to about him you know whether that be coaches wide receivers offensive linemen they all speak very glowingly of him and his abilities um, you know there's a lot of excitement about some of the defensive transfers you know the entire defensive line is going to be different essentially next year um, pretty much all of the starters either entered the draft or uh, transferred uh, to Big Ten schools. So, I mean, you know, it, it's going to be interesting. And, and you know, I, I look, I think that there is a lot of positivity in the building for a team that lost a lot of talent in the transfer portal and finished one and six last year. And that's what you want to see. Now, obviously, it's early. They have a lot to figure out. There's a ton of position battles going on. There's like eight guys who could be the starting running back. Um, you know, they've got safety. They, you know, they're down to two in the quarterback competition. It's going to be Real and Dewan. Um, we'll see where they go from there, but there it's going to be a bit of an uphill battle getting everyone integrated, but you know, the attitude's right. And that's what you want to see in the spring. So I, I think they'll definitely be better than they were last year. However, that's also not a high bar to clear. So, um, you know, you kind of have to keep that in, in, in perspective. Yeah. And I, I'm glad you mentioned, it sounds like uh, Mathis and Mitchell are kind of the one, one, a one B in that conversation, uh, based off of, you know, what you, you know, the, what are the thoughts on Mathis? I know we haven't really seen him, but he came in as this physical specimen, you know, six foot five athlete. Um, and it sounds like he was a highly recruited guy. I think at one point he was, you know, it was between Georgia, Michigan, and Ohio state. He had pretty much committed to one of those at one point 
during his uh, recruitment. Uh, so him coming here, just based off of what, like you said, the coaches and receivers, what you can tell us about Mathis. And um, if I had to predict, it sounds like I think he will get the job, but it does sound like Mitchell is uh, coming along way as well. Yeah, I think the important thing to note about Mathis and, you know, um, if someone fact checks me on this, I wouldn't be surprised. But as far as I know, he's the highest rated recruit that's ever come to Temple uh, as a four star. So, I, you know, look, you get that billing. I mean, you're, you're going to have to perform. But, you know, everything that we've heard about Mathis is that, look, he's got a big arm. He's a big kid and he's mobile. He's going to bring the quarterback run game to Temple. That's something that, you know, I, I think Anthony Russo was a, a punching bag for a lot of Temple fans for a couple of years, but he was a good quarterback for the college level. He was. He won football games for this school. Um, and you know, I think DeWan's going to add a, a little bit of a different element. And, and that's what they talked about. I wrote a story about it. Like all the coaches are like, look, we're going to run the football with the quarterback this year whether that's Dewan, whether that's Real, uh, we're going to have that open to us and we're going to try and use that to the best of our abilities. A lot of the receivers have talked about, you know, how good he is at extending plays and creating when things break down. And, and you know, if you watch the NFL right now, I mean, that's all the rage, you know, so it would be nice for Temple to have that element. You know, I think the thing you have to question with Dewan is, you know, you watch the Georgia film from last year, which I did, and he did not play much, but it's not good. Um, and again, like it's going from, you know, you're dropping out from the SEC to the American um, and you're getting a little bit more of, um, you know, a, a build up to that. You know, but he was replaced by a guy in Stenson Bennett who like, I mean, you look at him and he looks like a field goal kicker. He doesn't look like a quarterback. And, and that's the guy who ends up taking over for Dewan. So I, I, I don't think, obviously, I think Dewan will be much, much better than that. I think that things just were awry at Georgia, you know, maybe they tried to force him into that role. You know, he was coming off a, a life-threatening injury and different things like that. So a ton of extenuating circumstances. So I don't want to harp too much on how he played at Georgia. I think, look, if you're a college coach, if you're Rod Carey, I mean, this is as much as you could possibly ask for in a quarterback recruit. He's got the size, the mobility, the arm. Um, you're just going to have to do, they're going to have to do the best work to get the most out of him. But I, I think honestly with Dewan, I, I think his ceiling is high and he raises the, the ceiling of this team because he's just significantly more dynamic as an athlete than Anthony Ruth. So ever was Russo, you know what, maybe he has a better, you know, maybe he's more accurate. Maybe he's better with the deep ball. We don't know those things because we haven't seen Dewan maybe. So, but if Dewan has, you know, even a, a good amount of that plus his athletic ability, I, I think he can be a, a huge help for this team. And um, I would assume that he's going to be the starter over real based on what we've been told. Now, obviously they're keeping that battle open to the fall. Um, we spoke with Mike Removich last week and he, and he told us that. Um, so that's going to be a battle. Real definitely has a chance to win it. Everyone speaks very glowingly as him uh, of him as well. And this is really his first full offseason in the program, so he could take a big jump. Uh, but right now, I would say Dewan's the favorite, and Real's close behind him. Yeah, and I'm, I'm kind of glad you brought up that, like, how Russo was the punching bag. And I, I don't want to say I was a Russo apologist, but I, I just feel like, you know, he came in as a highly recruited guy, and, you know, the LSU mixture in there I think gave fans a certain vibe overall I think he was a serviceable quarterback and he definitely had the most I want to I say this uh nicely like his NFL body and arm compared to other quarterbacks we've had in the program he was right at the top of it you know so Russo it thinks he kind of transferred out and he did what's best for him 
But um, I do want to get your opinion on this. Like, you know, we brought in Dewan Mathis. We brought in some other transfers. I know back in January, the sky was, you know, quote unquote, falling because everybody thought like, is Rod Carey losing the program? This, this, and this. We lost, you know, eight or nine guys in the transfer portal. Um, and I know I've said this on the podcast, the Raymond Davis thing, that was kind of in the making. I remember there was one game I kind of tweeted out a gift that was not negative, but it was just kind of like a questionable, like, hey, what's going on with Temple football? They're one and four at the time. And Raymond Davis liked it. And I was like, why is he liking this kind of half negative thing? And then he transfers two and a half for three weeks later. So, um, but just based off everything that you just said, like, you know, you brought in Dewan Mathis. So do you think fans were overreacting with the transfer thing or that was it a little bit of mixer of both? I, I think people were overreacting. And, and I told people this when they, when they asked me about it on Twitter, it's just that like, look, this is college football now uh, th this is happening. And, you know, I thought about, I was like, oh, you know, maybe I should do a story on this. Like, you know, this is a problem, right? Because we, we just lost, like, I forget, I think it was like 10 starters. You know, if you want to count Chris Banks, who's like a rotational guy, you want to count the kicker, Will Mobley transferred, um, you know, like you can get like 11, 12 starters out of this if you really, really want to. Um, and, but again, like, I think it would have been a problem if there wasn't such an influx of transfer guys as well. And, the, and this staff did a good job recruiting a ton of power five guys to come in. And, and that's what you want to see from a mid-level program, right? Um, you know, Mike Oresco, the commissioner, he likes to call us the power six, but you know, let's be honest. I don't, I don't know if we're, we're really there. It, it is yet, what it is but, right now, you know? <laughs> right. Yeah. And, and, but you know, don't get me wrong. This is a good conference and Temple recruited the way that it should as a team from a, a decent conference who can pull some of these power five guys who didn't get an opportunity. Um, and kind of give them a better chance. And they did that. So uh, look, if all of those guys would have left and we didn't pull a lot from the transfer portal and, you know, we weren't getting, you know, the Iverson Clements of the world, the Ahmad Andersons of the world, the, the Rayvon Bonners of the world, like, yeah, that's a concern. That would have been a problem. But the reality of the situation is that this is college football now. And these guys were given a free year to transfer they're going to do what's best for them. And we saw the Temple players say, you know what, we're going to go play in a power five school. Um, you know, at least most of them did. And we're going to try and, and help our draft stock. And we're going to help our do that. Now, look, do I think that that's necessary? Do I think that all of their decisions from a football perspective were sound? I don't know. It's not really, you know, who cares, but it's just, that's college football. Now guys are going to leave guys are going to come and go. And, and that's the motto that the coaches have taken as well as, you know, um, you know, we talked to Walter Stewart, the D line coach, and you know, his, like I said, his entire starting group left. Uh, whether that be through the transfer portal or the draft. And he was just kind of like, look, like I'm coaching the guys who are here. I'm happy about the guys who are here. They're playing well. That's college football. Now there's free agency. Basically is kind of the motto. So my advice to fans would be, this is probably going to happen every year. Maybe not as dramatic as it was this year, uh, but there is going to be a certain level of starters leaving and starters coming through the transfer portal. As long as Temple is able to recruit some of the, you know, I, I want to use the word cast offs and air quotes because I don't think that's fair, but um, you know, as long as they're able to recruit some of those power five guys to come here, I don't think there's a problem. That's just the way college football is now. Yeah. And I, I think you're right with the, you know, with COVID, it's definitely heightened itself. And I had a basketball guy on a couple of weeks ago and he, we kind of talked about the same thing. It's, it's, is it getting out of control? Probably, but like, it just, it is what it is. It's essentially college football free agency right now. And, you know, these kids are, they're going to try to see what's best for them. And I'm, I'm very pro player and I'm very pro the kids can kind of do what they think is best for them. But I also at a certain point, hopefully in the next two, three years with both sports, basketball and football, uh, hopefully it kind of levels itself out in the mass uh, exodus at the end of the season. It's these, you know, you got these kids who, especially like you said, Temple's a middle of the pack conference, you know, they're not the big five. So these guys are going to 
Now I don't want to call them out yet because we play Rutgers, but the guys who are going to Rutgers, it's like, well, like, you know, hopefully Temple's on the same level in my mind as Rutgers. So I'm like, well, where are you going to them for? But uh, if you're going to transfer to Penn State, unfortunately, like that's a, you know, that's a good move. And these kids are transferring to ACC or SEC if you can. I'm not, you can't knock them. It is what it is. Um, but it, like you, you said, it's the, the balances that hopefully Temple can then uh, get the guys coming from those type of conferences as well. Um, so overall, yeah, I, I think uh, the sky was, I don't want to say falling, but people were getting a little nervous. And then it's like, oh, we just got this four-star uh, quarterback from Georgia. And then we got some linemen from North Carolina and we got a running back from Florida. So it definitely, it works both ways overall. Yeah, I would agree. And, and you know, I, I think that that's just, you know, we're going to have to get used to it. I don't think it's going to, you know, I don't think it'll be as big as it was this year. I don't think we'll see, you know, half the defense leave next year. I, I just think that there's going to be a, a certain level of, of college football free agency now. And I, I think the NCAA will probably continue to open up transfer rules. Um, you know, we're seeing that. And I, I don't think that momentum is going to stop anytime soon. So, you know, you know, Temple is unfortunately uh, always been a stepping stone program, you know, whether that's coaches and, and it seems like it might be for players now, you know, even before this year, right, we saw Quincy Roche leave for Miami, we saw Kenny Yaboa leave for Ole Miss, um, you know, those two guys, right, you know, two draft eligible guys, Roche's definitely going to be, you know, probably a top 100 pick, is probably going to be a guy taken on day three, he's going to get a shot in the NFL, so, you know, it, it it's just the nature of the beast. That's college football. Now guys are going to transfer if they can, it's much easier to transfer. And, you know, I I'm very pro player too. So I am pretty supportive of that. I, I just think that, you know, if your coaches, as long as you are able to, um, you know, recruit the guys who are, are looking for a spot to play in your temple, right. You know, if we, like, if we would have lost to Juan Mathis to like Tulane or something, you know, like that would have been a problem, right. Because it's like, okay, you know, we're definitely a program that should be getting a four-star quarterback over Tulane. Right. And that's not a slight at Tulane. It's just, that's the way it is. Yeah, um, no, I agree. <laughs> so as long as we're not falling by the wayside and, and kind of the, cause the, the, you know, those guys who leave from temple to the ACC, the big 10, I mean, they're pushing other guys out of their spots, you know? So as long as we can get the guys who fall off the power five tree still, and we're still bringing in that type of talent, I think it's totally fine. I, I really wouldn't worry about it, but it is something to keep an eye on. Definitely. Um, and I guess uh, I'll end it with this. And this is kind of a, a thing that I think people will learn a little nervous about like the, so the receiving core and, you know, we're losing Brandon Mack. Uh, I think Jaden blue people were a little nervous about at one point, uh, especially after seeing, you know, how many guys were leaving to go to better schools um, based off of everything you've heard from the receivers now and what they've said on Mathis. Um, do, do you think, you know, this upcoming year, I mean, Temple's kind of had a, a decent receiving core, uh, last couple of years between, you know, Isaiah Wright at one point, Brandon Mack, they've had some, you know, Kenny Yaboa, um, just everything that you've heard from about from them on Mathis and how, you know, they're connecting. Does it seem like next year's offense, do you think overall will be, uh, you know, dynamic, I guess is the word I want to use. Yeah, I think it certainly has the potential. Um, you know, you're you're going to have to rely on players like Randall Jones and, and Jose Barbone to kind of step up in that receiver room. And, um, you know, everyone really speaks highly of them. Randall had a good year last year relative mm -hmm. to, you know, Temple's inability to move the football in general. You know, he was able to, you know, I think he was, 
I want to say first in catches, second in yards, him and Jaden were kind of flip-flopped one, two there in those numbers. So, um, you know, he had a good year last year. I'd look for him to step up. And then, you know, everyone's talking about Jose Barbone. They think he's going to be a, a big part of the offense this year. He's having a good spring camp, according to what we've been told. Um, so, yeah, there's definitely the ability for this team to be dynamic through the air. Uh, but the at the end of the day, it's going to come down to the running game. It's going to be, you know, whether or not, you know, they can get, good mileage out of Dewan as a QB run option, you know, is he a threat? Um, and, you know, is he a potent threat? And then, you know, whatever comes out of that backfield, because I think, look, Temple wants to run the ball, you know, the best, most experienced group on this entire team right now is the offensive line. Those guys have over a hundred starts combined in their careers. Uh, a bunch of them are returning from last year. It's one of the few position groups that might have some stability from last season. Um, so look, they're going to, they're going to lean on those guys. They're going to want to run the ball. Um, but I, I do think the passing game is an opportunity to be dynamic. I mean, I think Jaden's an NFL caliber receiver. So anytime you have those type of players on that side of the ball and you have a four-star quarterback, I mean, you have to think that at least there's going to be some dynamic ability to the offense, uh, but guys are going to have to step up for sure. You know, and I, and I asked, um, you know, wide receivers coach Thad Ward, like, you know, what do you do about Brandon Mack in the red zone? <laughs> Dude was just a skyscraper the past three years, plucking balls out of the end zone. And, you know, he kind of talked about working Jaden into that area a little bit more. Uh, they've been working uh, Jordan Smith, the tight end at wide receiver. Or they've been working him at tight end. He's a wide receiver. Um, so they're trying to different things. They're going to look to be very multiple. They're going to try and get a ton of receivers on the field. Um, it's going to be interesting. I, I think that they're probably just trying to make the best use of the personnel that they have. I think a lot of the spring for the offensive side of the ball has just been like, all right, we had so many guys leave. We had so much turnover. Um, you know, we need to figure out who we can rely on, who we're going to focus around and, and kind of go from there. So I don't know how much of a plan that they actually have outside of like, we like our receiver room. It's deep and we're going to try and put four of those guys on the field as much as possible. Um, so we'll see, but I, I think it definitely has the potential to be dynamic for sure. That's uh, I like that you brought up Brandon Mack. So I, I originally kind of asked you to come on as a, a draft guy. Uh, so we can transition to that, um, which Brandon Mack, what are your thoughts on him? And uh, we'll get into it in a little bit. Um, just overall, like Temple as a school that players get drafted from, obviously they've come a long way from, you know, 20 years ago, it wasn't even really a thing. And, you know, the last couple of years, I know they, they at the graphics that so they do in the game at the stadium, uh, it's like now like 27 or 28 guys in the NFL, um, so what are your thoughts on a max perspectives and just temple as a whole as a draft uh, NFL type of school? Yeah, I think Mac is probably going to have an uphill battle getting drafted. Um, this is an incredibly deep wide receiver class. Um, you know, for my, you know, my job as a draft analyst for blue chip scouting.com, right? Like I write um, scouting reports and I wrote up 34 receivers in the class this year. And I mean, there are guys that I missed that I think are better than Brandon Mack. So, you know, you're pushing probably outside the top 40 receivers in this class for Mack. And that's not really a slight of him. It's just, that's the nature of the business. There's a lot of good receivers out there. Um, you know, I, Isaiah Wright did not get drafted last year and he made the Washington football team. So saying that Mack is not going to get, or probably won't get drafted does not mean his career is over. Sam Franklin did not get drafted last year. He made the Carolina Panthers and he made an impact role for them. Like he played snaps. So I don't think Mac will get drafted. Um, you know, teams do not draft receivers who run four, six forties. Typically that's just not a, that's a really, really not good number. And it was funny about that. It not, maybe not funny, but ironic is that, you know, when we talked to Mac after he ran that, he was like, I was really happy with my 40 time. And, and like, as a scout, right. Like that concerns me because it's like, it's like, were you expecting to run a four seven? Because that's like prohibitively bad, but he ran a four six, which is, you know, 
that's about as low as you can get as a receiver and still have a chance. So Mac has a shot. Um, I think he's going to have to earn it on special teams. He's going to have to earn it with his character. Um, and, you know, we've seen Temple guys do that, right? I, I just named two of them. It's not a, a death shot to his career. He definitely has a chance, but getting drafted in this receivers class with his numbers and his pedigree and his skill set is going to be difficult. Um, you know, maybe Matt rule, throw him a bone in the seventh round, who knows, you know, they're kind of building uh temple care, you know, the, the, uh, the temple Panthers out down there in South in uh, Carolina. So, um, you know, we'll see, but I, I think it's gonna be a long shot for Mac. The program as a whole, though, I think, I, I think it's great. I, I really do. I think, you know, teams really, really like the temple tough mentality. Uh, you know, you, you listen to GMs after they draft temple players and they always talk about that and, and how well these guys are, are coached and whether that's been, um, you know, obviously Matt rule, whether that was Jeff Collins and now Rod Carey, you know, there's been a lot of really quality prospects to come out of temple. And I think that, that is hopefully going to continue. Obviously, this year is going to be a down year, uh, and the team is kind of rebuilding. So we might see a drop off in that this year. I don't think a Temple player gets drafted this year, if I had to be, uh, you know, completely honest. Um, and then obviously, you know, this year there's a lot of new guys. There's a lot of uncertainty. You know, I would have pegged guys like Arnold Ebiketti and Ifan Maje as players who could, you know, possibly push for the next level. Maybe IGM as well. Um, you know, and all those guys left. So I, I think you know you're looking at the roster. You know, I think right now your best hope is probably Jaden Blue. I think he's definitely an NFL caliber player um, and he should have the numbers as well, which is nice. Um, but, you know, look, I think Temple's on the right track. There are a lot of really, really good prospects, a lot of guys with Temple pedigree. Um, you know, Quincy Roche played four years here before playing one year at Miami. So, I, you know, I kind of view him almost as a Temple guy in some ways. Um, you know, same thing with Kenny, even though Kenny had a really good year this year at Ole Miss. I, you know, he played four years here before he went to Ole Miss. So, you know, Temple is, is going to have a foothold again, and, and I think it's going to continue. I really do. They're going to have to go through a little bit of a rebuilding process here. But um, the, the, the um, perception of Temple – in NFL draft circles has definitely increased, you know, people, people don't scoff when they hear, Oh, the kid from temple, I, you know, I, it's very much a, okay. You know, temple produces good NFL players. So um, I think that obviously is huge for the program. And, you know, like I said, guys could end up making teams this year as UDFAs, Mac Archibong, you know, both of them could, you know, you never know. I, I didn't expect Sam Franklin to make the Panthers 53 and he did that and he played really well for them in a limited role. So you never know. And I, I think those guys, you know, really, um, you know, the scouts, the GMs, they they think, you know, much, much higher of Temple than they used to, I think. Um, and I'm, I'm glad you brought up Roche and Yaboa, and I hope on draft day when they are drafted, because I think Roche potentially could go second round at this point. Like, he had a really good year after having four good years at Temple. Uh, Yaboa has definitely worked himself at least into, you know, maybe the fifth round, but at least drafted. Um, so I, I would say, you know, between the two of them, hopefully on draft day as a temple biased fan, they show their temple highlights and they, they acknowledge, Hey, he went to temple and then he was so good that he could transfer to Miami or he was so good. He could transfer to an sec school to give us at least the publicity and kind of show like, Hey, we build these guys. Miami just kind of took them and said, all right, keep doing what you're doing. But, uh, I, I really, you know, you could ultimately be saying, you know, Mac probably isn't going to get drafted, but Temple could have, if those two guys say they're having two guys who are definitely going to get drafted this year. Um, now it's, you know, their alma mater looks on paper like Miami or Ole Miss, but um, hopefully in like ESPN or NFL uh, uh, channel, uh, they show, hey, these are where these guys started from, at least for our sake. 
Yeah, I mean, it, it would be nice. I, I'm sure that they'll, I'm sure we'll get a passing mention as transferred from Temple to Miami, and then they'll play the Miami highlights for Quincy Roche, <laughs> if I had to guess. Um, you know, but like I said earlier, I, I think Temple's always been a, you know, a, a stepping stone program. And I think, you know, fans are going to have to get comfortable with that. It's just the nature of the beast. And, you know, I think, um, you know, one of the appeals when they hired Rod Carey, like I remember covering that press conference and it was just like, look, like this is a guy that we think is going to be here for X amount of years. You know, he's not going to win 12 games and leave or, you know, 10 games and leave and stuff like that. So I, I think that, you, you know, he could bring some stability, but at, at the end of the day, this is always going to be a stepping stone program. It's, and it's like that for all, mid-major, you know, you know, teams. It's, it's not like Temple is, um, you know, different, right? You know, every team in the American has this problem. And we just saw UCF's coach get sniped to go play, you know, go coach Auburn. You know, a lot of those guys move up to power five schools. So this is not a Temple centric problem. This is just the nature of the beast doing college football and, and uh, being a mid-major conference when you're not in the power five guys are always going to be clawing to get into the power five, whether that's coaches, players, and um, you know, Quincy Roche and Kenny Boa, they had great careers here. Um, hopefully we get a mention. I, I, I don't know if we will, but um, hopefully we do. I'm sure we will in passing. I'm, I'm sure they'll at least give us the, hey, they played a temple for X years and now they're wherever. Yeah, the stepping stone thing, it's definitely, it is what it is. I mean, I thought Jeff Collins probably would have stayed here another year. Uh, I mean, I, it sounds like Rod Carey definitely, he seems more in for the long haul than some have. Um, Adazio seemed like he was one foot out the door right away. And Matt Rule, um, I, I think I said this last week to my guest who I had on, he, he wanted to go to the NFL and you just, you don't go from temple to the NFL. So he, he took the right channels and that look where he is now. Um, and I would say, yeah, there's a real possibility that he's keeping the, the temple, uh, tradition alive by just, you know, he signs one every other week, it seems like. So hopefully, um, I think I saw six ABC news did a report with Mac and they kind of. Uh, alluded to the Eagles have reached out to him. I think it was the Bears and it might've been the Panthers. I think there was a third team. Um, I don't know if you've heard anything on that, but realistically, like um, it is a very wide receiver, deep draft uh, where, where, if you had to predict where, where do you think he ends up? Is it the, the Eagles kind of give him the home uh, town discount or maybe a Carolina? I mean, if I had to guess predictively, I would say Carolina just because that is where everybody it makes seems too much to sense. Go. Yeah. I mean, I, I think for Mac, it, it's just going to be, um, you know, our team's going to give him a shot because I mean, he's an outlier, right? He's not very athletic. He's not very fast. Um, I mean, he's big, but he's not like big, big, you know, yeah. and it's kind of, you know, it's going to be tough. Look, it's going to be an uphill, uphill battle for him, but um, I, I think Caroline is a good spot for him. Uh, he did tell us that an Eagle, that uh, the Eagles did um, talk to him a little bit after he ran um, I believe he worked with the 49ers during his pro day in drills. So, you know, you can make that connection if you want, um, you know, again, and the other benefit for Mac is that with so many guys going back to school and using their extra year of eligibility, um, you know, the NF, the actual draft pool itself is significantly smaller. Um, and that doesn't mean he's going to get drafted again. I still probably think he'll be a UDFA, but as far as when teams go to, you know, to the UDFA pool for camp bodies, I mean, they have to fill that roster to, um, you know, a 90 man roster, right. At, at some point. So, you know, it's, they're going to want to fill that, that, that uh, space. And, and honestly, there's just going to be less guys this year, you know, because like everyone used their extra year of eligibility. So um, there is at least some benefit for that. So I, I firmly believe that Matt gets a shot in camp. You know, whether that is, uh, you know, a legitimate one where he actually gets a shot to compete for a roster spot or if he's a guy who ends up on a practice squad, none of that would surprise me. I, I think that 
again, there's going to be a lack of bodies this year. There really is because the pool is just not going to be that big, but uh, I mean, predictively, obviously I think Carolina and then, you know, we talked to the Eagles They you know, they have Sean Bradley on the roster. So, you know, maybe he can put in a good word for him to get him a workout, something like that. I, I think that would be cool to see every time, you know, all, all when the temple guys go to Philly, it's always nice uh, to kind of see that, but you know, we'll see, it's going to be an uphill battle, but again, the pool is smaller. So he has a shot. Yeah. I'm glad you kind of mentioned Sean Bradley. Cause I was just, I don't know, like last year, I guess, what were your perspectives on him last year? Uh, you know, obviously he ends up with the Eagles. Um, and I, you know, he's essentially a special teams player. Let, like, you know, this time a year ago, what your what were your draft grades on him? Yeah, I mean, I, Bradley got drafted roughly where I ranked him. I, I ranked him as a late day three linebacker. And, you know, I think that, again, he really helped himself at the combine, which we didn't get this year, right? Because Bradley went to the combine and he ran like one of the fastest 40 times from an say, inside his, linebacker. His 40 time was like off the charts. <laughs> yeah, I think it was like a low four or fives, which is really, really, really good for uh, an inside linebacker. And I, I'm going to be honest, I think that probably got him drafted over his film. Um, you know, his film was a little bit up and down, but, you know, they want athletes at the position and that's what Bradley is. Um, so that really helped him. And again, the guys didn't get that opportunity this year. I think the only thing I would say is uh, I was a little bit disappointed that Bradley didn't get more reps this year, not because maybe like, I think he's going to be a great linebacker, but I mean, the Eagles linebacker room is, you know, quite possibly one Zero. of the, <laughs> yeah, right. Like one of the worst position groups in the entire NFL. Um, so I, I think, you know, at least giving a guy like Sean Bradley a shot would have been advised, um, but they, they really didn't do that. He didn't play very many reps, but hopefully this year he can work that, you know, work that, um, work that role a little bit because they're still, you know, the linebacker room's still bad, you know, they didn't yeah. really do anything with it in free agency. So, um, you know, I, I think Sean's got an opportunity to carve out a good role for himself. And obviously I think he'll always be a special teams guy. He was at temple, you know, he, you know, he was back there, uh, as an, as an up man blocking on kickoffs and different things like that. And on punt team. Um, so he's always going to have a role carved out, you know, they always need guys who run four fives on special teams and like to hit and that's Sean Bradley. So, Honestly, I think he's going to have a, a similar NFL career to like Tyler Matikevich, uh, just a guy who sticks around on special teams, high character guy. Maybe he gets a shot at linebacker here and there, but I think Sean's going to carve out a nice little NFL career for himself. I wish the Eagles would have given him more of a shot this year because I think, I mean, honestly, they had nothing to lose. And, you know, I think you'd want to see what you have out of your sixth round pick, but, um, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. Maybe he'll be able to leverage that role because again, the room is still wide open. So I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't um, let the ship sail, the ship sail away on, on Bradley being a, a potential middle linebacker for the Eagles. I, I just think that his career right now is special teams. And honestly, there's nothing wrong with that. I think he's going to carve out that career and he's going to be good in that role. Yeah, definitely as a Eagles fan who had to watch the linebacking core and all the defense that they had last year or lack thereof. Um, I, I do feel like I in my mind as a you know I'm probably a little biased as a Temple fan uh, I was shocked that he did not see the field more um, besides uh, special teams uh, this is probably a premature question we don't even know if he will play this upcoming season because they haven't figured it out yet um, what are your thoughts um, and this will add to the Roche Yaboa conversation um, you know, a year from now, what, what's Russo's draft and NFL prospects, if you had to give anything? I know it's, you know, I, I think his NFL arm is there. It's the decision making that has crushed him. And I think he's underrated athletically. I know we said, like, he, you know, he's not a scrambler like Mathis is going to probably be this year. But he did have some good rushes uh, two years ago and some rushing touchdowns at certain moments. So just overall, as a, you know, a person in your position who does this, uh, grading players, you know, a year from now, what if, if you're, if you're grading Russo, what can you say that you're going to give him? 
Yeah, I mean, I, I watched him in the summer and I gave him a, a preliminary late day three grade as a quarterback. And, and that's certainly, you know, again, I, I agree with you. I think your evaluation of Russo is very spot on. This is a kid with an NFL arm. He has an NFL body. Um, there's no doubt about that, right? The size, the arm, all of that stuff's there. He's got really, really good touch down the field. He, he really can drop those bucket throws in over the shoulder, really, really good throwing the nine ball. Um, you know, the problem with, with Anthony and, and the problem's always been with Anthony is that he, he just has moments where he just loses defenders and he makes really, really poor decisions and he tries to force balls into windows that do not exist. Um, and it, you know, he makes really, really bad decisions and then they leave the interceptions and, you know, if he can clear that out of his game and perform well in the big 10, I mean, I, it would not surprise me if he was a day three pick a quarterback. I think, you know, he's got those traits and, you know, the NFL is always looking for quarterback talent. So, you know, they're going to draft guys who have, you know, the arm, if you have the arm, you have a really good shot, you know, no matter what, even if you're a round seven guy, like they're going to consider you because there's just not a lot of, you know, talent. And they're going to say, they're going to talk themselves into you as a prospect. They're gonna be like, we can fix this guy. We can get him into our system and our building, and he's going to be significantly better. But, you know, the big thing for Anthony is going to be decision-making, you know, can he run an offense? You know, that's the other thing too, is like, you know, Temple's offense is painstakingly simple. When he was there, it was very much, you know, bubble screens and nine routes and outs and that's it. Um, you know, there was not a lot of NFL concepts. There was not a lot of full field reads, um, different things like that. And, and Anthony, you know, he executed the offense. He did his job and that's fine. But, you know, uh, hopefully in the Big Ten, at least hopefully for his draft stock, you know, he's going to go there and run a little bit more traditional concepts and, and do a little more high low reads and full field reads and different things like that but like I agree with you I think the arm and you know the body definitely there but he's gotta he's gotta figure out a way to to not have those goof moments because he just had them where he you know he just he'd be doing great to driving straight down the field and you saw it in the Navy game even in week one right like right before halftime they were right there to score that would have really helped them stay in the game build momentum before halftime and he threw a really really bad interception to a sitting zone defender who like was not disguised in any way. Like you there saw was, him there. If you were looking at yeah, like he was there. <laughs> he was always there. He did not move. And Russo tried to anticipate that route. Um, and you just can't do that. And you can't make those mistakes. So if he can get that part out of his game, I think he's got a real shot to be a good NFL quarterback, you know, as a backup kind of guy who comes in and, you know, maybe he doesn't win you the game, but he also doesn't lose you the game. I think that's probably his ceiling in the NFL, but right now he's got to really, really work on the mental side of the game. And if he can do that at Michigan state, I think he's got a shot next year's quarterback class is wide open. All of the guys who are at the top of the class are, are big unknowns, a lot of potential. Um, you know, you have the, the kid from Oklahoma Rattler and Hal and Ritter from Cincinnati. Right. So like, there's just a ton of names, not really a guy who stood uh, stood out so far. So, it, you know, if Russo can, can build off of what he did at Temple and really, really improve the mental side of his game. I think he's got a good shot to be like a fourth, maybe fifth round pick at quarterback. At worst, I, I think he's going to be a camp body. I think he's a guy who gets in. He has that talent, right? Like teams are going to give him a look. I think as long as he doesn't like completely shit the bed in Michigan State this year, I think teams are going to want to get him a look because he has the arm, he has the body. So um, I do think he's an NFL caliber quarterback. Now, is he going to be a guy who starts a lot of games for you, wins a lot of games for you? I don't know. We'll, we'll see. I, I think that's a bit of a long shot, but I definitely think he has a shot to carve out a career for himself as a backup. Yeah, and I, I definitely like going back on what you said about 20 minutes ago, uh, you know, he was the punching bag. And I think Temple fans, they assumed he was going to be this and then he wasn't. And then there was like the alternative was like, well, then he clearly sucks. And it's like, well, no, he's a, 
very above average good quarterback and I think his NFL talent there like there will probably be Temple fans and I kind of agree with you at least he's a body he might be undrafted free agent or a practice squad guy and I think there'll be Temple fans like what do you mean Anthony Russo did this I'm like well no if you look at his best throws like he's an NFL type of quarterback obviously like we've stated his his bad throws were bad and uh, he I think he overly relied on like hey I have this arm and I'm going to try it and that's where he made the mistakes too much he, he thought he was a little better than he might have been um but yeah if he sorts that all out yeah the potential for him and I don't know it sounds like Michigan State's depth chart similar to like Temple's right now is he's like the the 1b guy and the 1a guy is there um so and I'm not a Big Ten or a Michigan State fan so I don't know officially but I think if he if he ends up starting half of their games this year and puts on some good game film, he could be a, you know, a, a potential NFL draft pick. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, honestly, I think he'll start this year for Michigan State. I think he's going to be the guy. Um, but, you know, again, it, it, that's why they they go to the big the big five schools, right? Guys like Russo, they all leave to to get that NFL film out there because they think they're potential NFL draft picks. Um, and I, and I do think Russo has a shot. I, I really do. I think that again, like he has a couple of things that you can't teach. And anytime you have those traits, you know, as a scout, that's what we're trained to look for. That's what I, you know, I'm trained to look for. And he has a couple of those things. Are they elite traits or, you know, is he a world beater? No, but I, I think that again, I mean, you know, he's probably the best quarterback Temple's had in a long time, honestly. And, you know, and I know PJ Walker's kind of come on recently with the, you know, um, you know, he was in the XFL and, you know, he had that big, you know, up and coming thing and he's kind of taken a while, but I mean, Walker has been removed from Temple for a long time. Like it's taken him a while to get up to that speed. Um, and, you know, I think Russo has got an opportunity to, to surpass Walker uh, in, in that way. And that, you know, he is much more of a traditional you know, drop back passer and he's got the arm for it. You just have to figure out the mentals. So uh, I would not be surprised if he's an NFL player for, you know, a good amount of time as a backup. I just think that he's got the right pedigree for that. Um, you know, but again, it's a big test this year because the, you know, the, the, the other side of the coin when you transfer to a big five school is that, you know, if you go and you play really poorly, they're just going to be like, okay, well, clearly this guy ain't it. Like he can't even do that. Like he should, yeah. you know, like that's get the, a big leash. <laughs> the downside. Exactly. Right. So like you have to go and you have to play well uh, because if you don't scouts are going to use that against you and whether that, whether or not that's fair is up for debate, but that's the reality of the situation. Um, so there's a lot of pressure on Russo this year. I do think he'll be the guy at Michigan state predictively. Um, you know, they have a guy named Rocky Lombardi at quarterback, which is a great name, but he has not been very successful for them. Um, so I, I do think Russo will be the guy. And I do think he's got a, he's got a chance to carve out a, a little NFL career for himself so there is one thing i need to ask you and uh how if you follow dante on twitter he i, I swear every fifth tweet is a, a dolphins tweet so you have to explain to me how you a guy from bucks county uh became a dolphins fan oh man i don't really see a lot of people ask me about this and it's just honestly not that good of a story like i just i was a kid and um my dad let me have free reign over the teams that I wanted to pick and be a fan of. And honestly, I just, I really liked the colors back in the day. I was like, literally like a three, like this is a three-year-old picking his football team. This was not like, I was not, you know, I was not raised in a, a sports strict household. I was given free reign to pick the team that I wanted. So this was like a three, four, five-year-old kid. It was just like, I like the colors. And I think the dolphin logo was cool. 
and I ran with it and I, and I just stuck with it. And, you know, it's ironic because, you know, my dad actually lives in South Florida now. Um, so I, I, you know, I get to go there a lot and, um, you know, I go to games and stuff. So it kind of worked out for me in the end, ironically, uh, but <laughs> I, it was really, it was like, I don't have a good story behind it. It's just like, I was a young kid who did not know anything about football, who did not know, you know, that I was supposed to be an Eagles fan or that I was supposed to be, you know, uh, whatever, you know, and I just like, I like the colors. I like the mascot and I ran with it and, and I just never stopped. So um, I'm not sure if it was a good decision in hindsight, given how bad they've been my entire life. I'd never seen Dan Marino take a snap. So I, I don't even have that like frame of reference. The dolphins are like a good football team. Um, but yeah, it's just, um, I was a little kid who made a, a very weird decision and, and I just kind of stuck with it. I was I was hoping it was gonna be like yeah I played Madden 2004 and Ricky Williams was really good so I kept playing with him and that's how it started but <laughs> that would have been I think possibly better. <laughs> yeah, definitely it definitely would have been better for sure, especially you know how good Ricky was, um, you know. But yeah, I mean I I just stuck with it. I don't I don't know why. I really don't have a good reason for it. It's just kind of. Um, I just, uh, I, I latched onto them as a young kid and I, I just never, I was never able to let them go. You know, I had, I thought about becoming an Eagles fan and I just never, I just never really did it. You know, I was just like, I'm going to stick with the Dolphins. They'll be good eventually. You know, it all, it kind of became like the underdog mentality, you know, it was kind of like, like, you know, being a lovable underdog as a Dolphins fan. It's just kind of like, you know, I'm going to try and, and get, you know, stick with this team until they start winning games. But, um, in hindsight, maybe not the best decision, but it's too late now. I'm, I'm way too invested. So, um, yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll say props to you for not jumping ship the year the Eagles won the Super Bowl. Like that was probably your your prime time to do it. So props to you for that. Um, I'm a little sad did, for you for not I did doing attend it. <laughs> the parade, though. I, I did go as an Eagles fan. I masqueraded as an Eagles fan for a, a day to, to get out of school and go to the parade and have a good time. But um, yeah, no, I, it was very, very, very tempting uh, to do that. But uh, especially all of my friends are Eagles fans. Everyone that I, you know, know is an Eagles fan. So it is very, very tempting. But um, yeah, I, I just, I, I don't know why, but I stuck with it. <laughs> I will say it had to be at least five years ago because uh, when they were on Hard Knocks, I, I was a big Tannehill fan. Like Tannehill, I was like, he's cool. On Hard Knocks, he was cool. His girlfriend was really hot. So I was like, all right, like I can – I like Tannehill, so I can root for the Dolphins, but then now he's at the Titans and he's kind of doing much better, it seems like. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, that that's what happens when you have a good offensive line and a competent coaching staff, you know what I mean? Like, it's just, you know, um, Ryan, Ryan was like, he's like, a, him and Chad Pennington are like the first quarterbacks that I have like, good memories of as a Dolphins fan because we just had a rotating door of bad you had, players you had AJ Feely for a, a hot oh, minute <laughs> God. yeah you know I um you know what's funny about that is I attended a lot of Eagles games as a kid and I remember um the year that Jeff Garcia came in and led the Eagles to the playoffs I remember being in the at the game when McNabb got hurt and hearing the fans chant for AJ Feely and then boo when Jeff, Jeff Garcia, Garcia came on the field. I'll never forget that. I was like seven or something. And, I, and then I will Jeff never Garcia forget had the great run. <laughs> exactly. Right. Yeah. So AJ Feely, we had like Joey Harrington, Cleo Lemon. Um, oh, Joey God. Harrington. I kind of forgot about him. Oof. Yeah, that was a rough one. Uh, Cleo Lemon was the year we went one in 15. Uh, that was brutal. Trent Green at like the end of his career. Yeah, he was he like was 38. <laughs> yeah, he was he played like one game. He ripped up his knee and then he never played again. 
Um, yeah. So Tannehill, I also love Tannehill. I had like three Tannehill jerseys. Um, yeah, he, he was my guy, but we just never, we never gave him a chance. Like he was the most sacked quarterback his entire career there. And we just, you know, we had Adam Gase as a head coach. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> that's just, yeah. It was just not great. So I'm happy for him though. I do root for him in Tennessee a lot, um, when I get the opportunity. So, uh, but I, I was a big Tannehill guy too, but you know, hopefully Tua can, can turn it around. Was, yeah, no, that's, was, that's kind of the hope. <laughs> I was going to say, are you, are you a Tua guy or in out on Tua? Like, what are your thoughts? I'm a big, I'm a big Tua guy. I, I think that he, look, the kid had a rookie season. You know, I, I think it just really like people forgot that rookies struggle sometimes and he struggled. And honestly, like he, he was not any better or worse than I expected, quite frankly. Um, and that's both as a draft analyst and as a Dolphins fan. So, you know, look, the Dolphins didn't have a lot around him last year. The offensive line was bad. The playmakers were bad. Um, they dropped a lot of passes and Tua made a lot of mistakes. I'm not really trying to like make uh, excuses for him per se, but again, like people are already like, oh, they should, you know, they're, they're still like PF, you know, pro football talks like, oh, the Dolphins should draft a quarterback at six. And it's like, I know, it's like, I've dude, seen like, that. Get, you know, <laughs> give the kid a break. Would you like, geez, he played, he played nine games, he didn't even play the full season. It's not even like he's played a full 16 game season. Yeah, they're and we're they're trying to write him off curve. too quick. Yeah, I agree. So I'm a big Tua guy. I love Tua. I think he's a great kid. And I think he's got plenty of potential to be a franchise quarterback. I don't, I think it's way, way, way too soon to write him off. You know, if he doesn't show any improvement this upcoming season, then sure. Yeah. We'll have that conversation. It's been two years at that point, but yeah, right now I, I'm still full send on Tua. He's, he's still my guy. He's still my quarterback. So <laughs> I did not plan on asking you this question, but since I got you here, uh, what are your thoughts on Jalen Hurts as an Eagles fan? Just give me, uh, I'm, I'm 50-50 leaning the negative way if I had to pick. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think, um, man, I, I struggle with Jalen. I did not love Jalen coming out of school. I think I had like a fourth round grade on Jalen. And, and it's not because, you know, he's necessarily a bad quarterback. I just think that he's very much a, a meh quarterback. You know what I mean? Like, you know, he's going to you know, he's going to threaten teams with his legs and he can make some cool things happen out of structure. And that's great. That's the direction the league is going, but um, you know, you, you need to be able to win from the pocket still. And Jalen's got, you know, light years ahead of him as far as making decisions, getting to second reads, resetting his feet and still being accurate, um, you know, correctly identifying where blitzes are coming from, um, you know, checking to different things, you know, throwing with anticipation. I mean, he's got like light years as far as being an in the pocket passer. So um, you know, but Jalen can win you football games. And I, I think that, you know, with the Eagles, I, I almost worry that they're going to end up winning like seven games this year and they're going to be in quarterback purgatory. That's the type of quarterback that that hurts strikes me as, um, you know, and obviously tanking is easier said than done. Uh, as a Dolphins fan, I, I have personal <laughs> experience. I understand it's easier said than done, but it is beneficial in the end. It does work out. It's it's proven to work. And uh, but look, I, I think if you're an Eagles fan, look, you come in this year and you just, you know, you see what you got in Hurts. You got none to lose. That there's no downside to seeing what you have in Hurts. You spent a high pick on him for some reason. I, I don't really understand. Um, I, I still don't. <laughs> yeah, no, it was I. I had so many tech, you know, because like I cover the draft live, so like I'm on live shows doing the draft, and like all of my Eagles friends texted me at the same time. They were like, "What are they doing at 53?" And I was like, "Guys, I have no idea." No, you know, no like I have spent like 600 hours preparing for this event, and that surprised me. You didn't see, you didn't see you know? that coming. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I don't know, but you know, I, look, I think Jalen's a good kid. He has some ability. I, I certainly wouldn't completely write him off, but like I, you know it's an, it's going to be an uphill battle for him. You know, there's a reason that he was not a first round pick at quarterback. Um, he's has limited physical tools and he's got a long way to go as a pocket passer, but again, like his legs and his ability to extend plays, 
might be able to win you some football games if you build a good enough team around him. I'm just not sure the Eagles have that. Yeah, that's, I think that was my biggest – it was like the Eagles had a million holes, and then your second-round pick is supposed to be like – you know, first-round pick's definitely probably a starter. Second-round pick hopefully is a starter. And then third-round pick from there on is, you know, at least a rotation player or not. But second-round pick, it's like you just wasted that on a backup quarterback when, you know, they're hyping up uh, what's-his-name as the other, you know, backup quarterback already. And it just – it made – it made to me, it made no sense. So I, I'm glad that you – to hear you say it out loud, I feel better about myself. <laughs> um, Dante, we'll end it with this. How has COVID been for you as a Temple student in your life? What's up? Oh, man. Uh, COVID's been incredibly weird. Uh, just like I've, I've done almost as many online classes at Temple as I have regular classes at Temple. Like I had a, a completely normal freshman year. Uh, and then halfway through my sophomore year, we started doing online and then this entire year. So I've actually done more semesters of online courses than I have in person. Um, so it's incredibly, incredibly weird. And, um, you know, like I said, like I lived on campus the entire year. Most people didn't. It was a ghost town, but I never got it. I, I never I never contracted it. And they do a, a pretty good job testing us here, which has been a nice, um, you know, weight off the shoulders to kind of know that I'm always, um, you know, right around the corner from a testing site if I need it. Um, and then covering sports during the pandemic, because obviously I like I kind of made myself the football beat reporter. But as the sports editor, I'm responsible for every sport that happens at Temple um, and dealing with that has just been incredibly, incredibly difficult. And, and you know, a huge props to my my uh, my staff who works below me. They've done a great job helping me with that. But, um, you know, it's been it's been weird, you know, doing in, you know, Zoom interviews, you know, I've, I've interviewed Jaden Blue on a train, I, you know, I was talking to Will Quenku and, you know, like he's getting work on his ankles and getting, you know, done with the trainer. And it's just a very, very odd, you know, when it first happened, like Rod Carey was doing interviews out of his basement and his house, you know, it was just like a very, very odd process, but uh, hopefully it's coming to an end. I, I don't know if I'm going to be on the beat next year, um, but I, I'm hoping that I am and I'll get an opportunity to go back to the stadium and cover the team again, because I, I do miss it. Um, and, I, and I do feel like a, a lot of stuff has been, um, a lot of stuff has been taken away, you know, and it, it kind of, it's going to be nice to get back to normal, hopefully. Uh, Dante, it sounds like you're, you're doing okay with all of it. it. I mean, every it's definitely been tough for everybody. Don't get me wrong. Um, I just want to thank you again for doing this. Uh, I think I told you it would be about 20 to 30 minutes, and we've just talked for about an hour. So I, I appreciate you uh, taking the time to do this. Uh, and you said after we get done, you're, you're going to go back to a draft analyst, and you got a busy week ahead of you. Yes, I do. And, th and thank you for having me. I really enjoyed it. I, uh, anytime I'd love to come back, love talking about temple sports. Um, you know, I don't get a ton of opportunities to do it. You know, most people want to talk about the dolphins and they want to talk about the NFL draft, which I love, but you know, I spend a, a lot of time covering this team. So uh, yeah, it's nice, but thank you for having me, Sean. I really appreciate it. No worries. Uh, definitely. Maybe back in August, we'll get you back for like a little preview of the season. Sound good. Sounds great. Awesome. Uh, I have to uh, refill my, I got a little whiskey sipper. I've been going in Dante as a, uh, he probably shouldn't drink in the sack, so Dante did not participate in the uh, the drinking this evening. But uh, Dante, thanks again, and uh, as always, guys, I'll be back.